moments. Um, finish out this last service. I think if we're honest, at some point in time in everyone's life, they're going to go through something where if they're honest about it, they're going to feel like God failed them. And I like what the song said when he says, my God did not fail. And we're going to look at a man who really hit rock bottom in his life, a man that's a very familiar story by the name by the name of Job. And uh, this message is going to be a little bit different from what we did in the first session. It was a little bit more doctrinal. I know it's a lot more teaching, but this message is going to be very practical. And um, with God's help this evening, I want to preach a message entitled, What Will You Do When Your Day Comes? What will you do when your day comes? So we're going to look at Job chapter 1. Then we're going to start reading in verse 9. If you dare, would you say amen? The Bible says, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Has that now made an hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the works of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth now thine hand, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put forth, put not forth thine hand. So Satan went from the presence from the, from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and have burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell upon the ground and worshiped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. And I just want to read verse one of chapter two. The Bible says again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. So for these next few moments, we'll speak on this topic. What will you do when your day comes? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity that we have to be here in your house. And God, you told us in your word, where two or three gather in your name. There you are in the midst. So Father, I'm trusting that you'll reveal yourself to us in a special way this evening. God, help me as I preach your word. God, I want to be used by you. And God, I know that nothing I say can help uh, the young adults here in this room this morning, this evening, but only what you say through me. So, Father, I pray that you help empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit. Lead and guide me, and I'll give you all the praise and all the honor for it. We have the young people as they'll be uh, having a preaching time very soon as well. Keep your hand upon them and speak to their hearts in a special way. Be with your servant that'll be preaching. Use him. We give the praise and honor for it. In your name, Jesus, we do pray. Amen. As we read throughout our Bibles, one thing we must always remember is that the Bible was not given to us in chronological order. Simply meaning that though Job may be the 18th book in our Bibles that we hold this evening, that does not mean Job was the 18th book that was written or the 18th book that was inspired by God. 
Many theologians actually believe that Job was the first book that was penned by men and inspired by God. You know, the story of Job is a book that many run to when they go through a trial in their life because they're praying and hoping that they can find something that they can cling to to make it through their tough trial. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that Job is one of the first books of the Bible that was inspired and and penned by men, because I believe that God wanted us to know very early on that it is possible for a man, woman, boy or girl to go through a trial, to go through a tough time and come out on the other side, just as God intended for us to come out. You know, mankind has been experiencing trials since Genesis chapter three, when sin entered into the world. The Bible says in first Peter chapter four and verse number 12, he says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials was ought to try you. Listen to this as though some strange thing has happened unto you. You know what Peter says? Peter says, look, when trouble comes to your life, when a trial comes knocking at your door, he says, don't look at that trial as if, it, as if it's something strange or something weird that has happened unto you. Look, trials have been in this world since sin entered into the world. Since the Garden of Eden, trouble has been here. Pain has been here and trouble has been here. Look, no person is exempt from trials. Look, as one man said, you are either in a trial, you're either coming out of a trial or you're going into a trial. Everyone at some point in time, look now, they're going to have their day. Look, now your day may not be like my day and my day may not be like your day, but mark it down. Everybody's going to have a day. It's like, well, brother Ed, what in the world is going to happen on my day? You know what's going to happen on your day? Your integrity is going to be tested. On your day, your faith is going to be challenged. On, on your day, your belief in God is going to be challenged. Look, on, on, on my day, we're going to find out if I really believe what I preach or not. Look, we're living in a time right now where everybody wants to be a counselor, right? And when everybody's going through a tough time or going through a trouble, everyone has the answer nowadays, right? They want to sit down and counsel. Well, look now, when your day comes, we're going to see if you can take heed to your own counsel that you gave to somebody else on their day. You say, you say what, what do you mean, brother Ed? I'm talking about the day where you really want to stop and question God. I'm talking about the day where you want to ask God, why is this happening to me? Now, look, take your halo off just for a moment, all right? Because I know what we're dealing with. Some of you sitting right here say, I would never ask God why. I would never question God. But look, let me remind you that it's not a sin to ask God why. Look, if it were a sin to ask God why, then Jesus himself would be a sinner. Remember what he said on the cross? He cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So it is not a sin to ask God why. The problem comes when you don't get an answer, right? Or when you don't get the answer that you wanted, or when you get no answer at all. So the question this evening is, what will you do when your day comes? Now, I told you all I grew up playing playing basketball. The majority of my life, I played basketball. And one thing that was something, whenever we were in a basketball practice, we always tried our best to simulate what we knew was coming in the game. So the coach would break us down into two teams and we would scrimmage each other and coach would set up a certain defense so we'll know what offense to run when that defense came in the game, right? Look, when I got to college, I never went on a college court and said, I've never seen that defense before. Now, I will say the intensity was different, but the set was the same. We knew how to break it. We knew where the weak points were. Look, this is what I'm saying now. We knew that opposition was going to come in the game. So since we knew that opposition was going to come and practice, we planned accordingly. Now, the Bible says, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus, you shall suffer persecution. So if you're saying, I want to live for the Lord, I want to walk with God, I want to honor the Lord. The Bible has already warned us. Trials are coming. Trouble is coming. So if we know that the opposition is coming, 
Why not plan for it before it gets here? So my question for you this evening is, what are you going to do when your day comes? Look, when trouble comes knocking on your door, when a trial comes knocking on your at your door, when trouble comes into your life, how do you respond? What do you do? Now, before we look into the life of Job, I want to give you some practical things that I believe the Lord has used in my own life to help me. The first thing we have to remember when your day come, comes is this. Your day cannot come unless God allows it. Your day cannot come unless God allows it. Now, the devil didn't just come and just blindside Job. All right. Well, he may have blindsided Job, but let me tell you who he didn't blindside. He didn't blindside God. Look, God was not up in heaven, scratching his head, biting his nails, saying, what in the world is going on with Job? Now, God, the Bible tells us that God has a hedge around all of his children. And look, keep in mind, God is the one that is control, in control of the hedge. Look, the devil does not control the hedge. God chose it. Look, God can lift the hedge and give access. And God can also lower the hedge and limit access. But God is the one that controls the hedge. Now, I told you all last time we were together in the previous session that God is what we call omniscient. Simply meaning that God is all knowing. Now, we have to be very careful not to give only God like attributes to the devil. When I say that God is omnipotent, that means God can do everything. Only God can do that. When I say that God is omnipresent, that means God is everywhere at the same time in the same degree. So right now in Clarksville, we have all of God. But guess what my wife has in Jacksonville right now? She has all of God. It's not saying, okay, baby, I'm leaving, but I'm going to take 50% of God with me. You should be good with the 50. (laughs) No, right now in Jacksonville at my house, she has all of God. And right now, right here, we have all of God. Only God is omnipresent everywhere at the same time in the same degree. So now we're talking about God being omniscient. He's all knowing. Only God is that. Now, look at what the devil says when he goes to God. Bible says in verse number 10, the devil is speaking now. He said, has thou not made a hedge about him? Now, hold on. Time out. Commercial break. (laughs) We just, we just said that only God is all knowing. So how in the world did the devil know that Job had a hedge around him? It ain't a real deep Bible study. He had been there before. <laughs> He's not all knowing. He doesn't have all knowledge. So the only way he could have known that there was a hedge around the life of Job was because he tried to get access into Job's life before and God lowered the hedge and said, Job, devil, you can't have access, not today. You know what's a sad commentary in a lot of our lives? A lot of times we get angry at God, we get mad at God because he lifted the hedge one day, not even knowing that there could have been thousands of days where he stopped the devil and said you can't have access to him. No. But oftentimes we fall out with God because he lifted the hedge, not knowing that there are many days where he lowered the hedge as well. The devil had been there before trying to gain access, but God restricted the hedge. So the first practical thing is this. Your day cannot come unless God allows it. The second practical thing. I know this is not an easy statement, but I believe it even in my own life. If God allows it, that means you can handle it. If God allows it, that means you can handle it. Now, Job didn't have this promise, but as believers today, we have this promise. God has promised that he would not put more in us than we can bear. So look now, when trouble comes to your life, when a trial comes to your life, don't don't go through the trial saying, I can't handle this and I can't deal with this. Be careful now because God knows you better than you know you. 
And God knows me better than I know me. And there are some things that I faced in my own personal life when I looked and I said, I can't deal with this. I can't handle this. But if I could not handle it, God would not have allowed it to come into my life. So you got to remind yourself, if God allows it, it means you can handle it. So don't go through your day saying, I can't handle this. If you couldn't handle it, God wouldn't allow it to happen. Now, I'm going to tell you a personal story of mine. A few years ago, before we had our oldest daughter now, Eliana, my wife was expecting with our son, Jaden. And to make a long story short, uh, he was born early and he did not survive. This is our first child. Now, if you would have told me that as a first time father, I would have to buy a casket for my son before I bought a crib. I would say, no. Can't deal with that. If, if you would have told me what we would have went through in that hospital room and how that day would have been from, I said, no, I can't handle that. But I had to remind myself, God, you know me better than I know me. You know my wife better than I know my wife and better than she knows herself. God, if you allowed it, God, I know that we can handle it. And I'm going to tell you, God, every step of the way, he guided us through that trial. So the first practical thing you got to remind yourself, your day cannot come unless God allows it. If God allows it, that means you can handle it. Third practical thing. If God is walking with you on your day, you'll be just fine. If God is walking with you on your day, you'll be just fine. Now, Job could not sense it right away, but every step of the way, God was with them. Look, aren't you glad that we serve a God that promised to never leave us nor forsake us? Look, even when you go down in those down times, you're down in the valley. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall. Look, we have a shepherd that knows his way through the valley. Solomon, Solomon, Solomon said he's the lily of the valley. So you, whenever you go through a trial, you are never alone if you are a child of God. Remember the story? We were just talking back there about the story. We say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? We're just talking about those three Hebrew boys that got thrown into the fiery furnace. Now, we love to jump to, I believe it's chapter number four, when they are shown in the fire and the king says, we're not there three boys in there. He says, now I see four and one of them looks like the son of God. Look, we love to talk about that. But let me just tell you, before those boys ever got into that fire, God was already with them. Amen. Remember the story? The king said, turn it up seven times hotter. The men that were throwing them in, they dropped dead. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God put his arms around those boys and said, come on, fellas, let's go. Look, if God wasn't with them, they would have dropped dead right there with the men that dropped dead. But God didn't just show up with them in the fire. He escorted them in. Look, if you are a child of God, when your trial comes, when your day comes, just know you got a Savior that's wrapping his arms around you. And he is walking through that trial with you. The Bible says that Job, he said, the Lord gave. And the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why can Job say this? You know how he can say this? Because Job knew that the same God that was taking was the same God that gave. The same God that was taking was the same God that gave. I keep telling these kids stories. Y'all got to forgive me. I'm in the early stages of parenting. So y'all going to hear this about next 10 years probably. My daughter Eliana, again, she's the prime time storyteller tonight, I guess. When we used to feed her when she was a baby, she used to do what we call a yum yum dance. We'll feed her some food and we'll say, is it good? And she go, yum, 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 yum. She get that from her mama, not me. All right. But she'll start doing the yum yum dance. Now, look, when we give her something, she's all in the dancing mood. Yum, 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 yum. Now, let us take something from that same baby. Perfect timing. 
<laughs> Almost like you pinched him, didn't you? You playing that. But that, as soon as you take something, the same baby that was yum, 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 what did they start doing? Ah! Crying. Now, before y'all laugh at my baby, how often, as children of God, do we do that? God gives us something, and when, look, when God gives you something, all of a sudden, you got a testimony to share. You ain't shared a testimony all year. But God done gave you a little raise on your job. Now, the Lord has laid something upon my heart to share with the class. I've been serving so hard, praying so long. Right? Look, how often do you hear somebody give a testimony during taking season? When they lost something. Look, can I remind you that the same God that gave is the same God that said, may God help us to be like Job and just say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Look, I'm not, if I didn't curse you in the giving, I'm not going to curse you in the taking because it came from the same hand. So let's look at Job and see how Job was able to make it through his day. First of all, let's look at the character of Job. The character of Job. Look, trials always come to make believers stronger. Bible says that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So let patience have a perfect work in you that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. But look now, before a trial ever makes you better, it reveals what you already are. Before a trial ever makes you better, it reveals what you already are. So in the very first chapter of Job, we see what type of man Job was. Bible says in verse number one that Job, he was a perfect man. Look at Job one in verse number one. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now, when we say that Job was a perfect man, we know it's not saying that Job never sinned. It's not, it's not saying that he was sinless, all right? We know that Job, he had the same sinful nature that you and I have. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? There is none righteous, no, not one. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So when it says that Job is a perfect man, it's not saying that Job never sinned before. That's not what it's saying. This is what it's saying. No one could give a valid accusation against the testimony of Job. It's saying he was a man that had a good testimony. Look, no one could look at Job and say, now his friends would try, but no one had a valid accusation to say, Job, you're going through that trial because of this. Listen to me very closely. Even godly people have problems. I'm going to say it again and again. Even godly people have problems. Look, even young adults who gather together on a Friday night, whenever, when other young adults are out partying, and y'all said, I'm going to go to church, guess what? You're going to have some problems. If somebody ever told you that you're going to live with the Lord, you're going to honor the Lord, you're going to go to church, you're going to go to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and have no problems, they lied to you. You need to go get a refund. (laughs) Go back past go and collect your $200. Somebody cheated you. (laughs) Look, even godly people have problems. Job was a perfect man. He was a man that had a good testimony, but yet he still had problems. Not only was Job a perfect man, but Job was a praying man. At the beginning of the story of Job in Job chapter one, we see Job every day. The Bible says he is interceding on behalf of his children. Every day he's praying. Now, this is what we do when a trial comes. When a trial comes, we start praying. (laughs) We say, oh, God, I need you. Look, before we ever get to the bad stuff in the book of Job, he's on his knees and he's praying. Look, you need God on your best day just as much as you do on your worst day. 
So we're seeing the character of Job. He was a perfect man. Job was a praying man. Job was a prepared man. The Bible tells us that he was the greatest man in all the East. He's wealthy. He has a lot of money. He, he prepared for his children. He prepared them financially. The Bible tells us at the end of chapter number one that all of his children, they had their own house. He prepared for them spiritually. They are, he's interceding and praying for his children. He prepared for them socially. Look, the grown children are going over each other's house and hanging out. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I was raised in a dysfunctional family. I don't know about y'all. I don't mind saying it. All right. Look, if a parent has raised their children to where they're grown and they still going over each other's house, they did something right. I got some siblings can't stand each other. Don't act like I'm the only one. Y'all going to do me like that. OK, don't worry. I'm OK. OK, y'all just going to let me go on the limb and leave me. By myself. OK. But look now, though Job was a praying man, though Job was a perfect man, though Job was a prepared man, that did not mean Job would be a man without problems. Look, he had all of this going for him and his day still came. So we go from Job's character and we immediately see Job's chaos. Now, I'll summarize this for you quickly. When Job's day came, the messengers came and informed Job that the Sabians came and stole his oxen and killed the servants. Another messenger comes and says, fire from heaven fell <clears throat> and killed the servants and all the sheep. Then the Chaldeans came and stole the camels and killed the servants. While that servant is speaking, another servant comes. Look, this is a long day. <laughs> another servant comes and says, a great wind came, knocked the house down that your children were in, and all of your children have died. Now, I want to stop right here for a moment. Because once his children's children die, the Bible says that Job he rent his mantle, he shaved his head, and he worshiped. He said, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, some of you that are familiar with the story of Job, answer this question for me. His children dying, is that his first trial? No. Sabians came, the Chaldeans came, the oxen died, the sheep are gone, servants are dead. For those that are familiar with the story, is that the last trial? No. Next chapter, he's covered in, in boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. So what is it about his children dying that causes him to break down? Look, when he when he lost the sheep, we see nothing. When he lost the camels, we see nothing. When he lost the oxen, we see nothing. When he lost all of his resources, we see nothing. But the moment that his children dies, Job shaves his head, he falls down, and he starts to worship and say, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. What is different about this one? Can I tell you? That when you read through Job chapter one, you never see this man down on his knees saying, God, can you please make me the greatest man of the East? We never see him saying, God, can you please make me wealthy? He never said, God, can you please give me camels? Can you please give me sheep? Can you please give me oxen? Can you please give me servants? But what do we see him on his knees praying for every day? He said, God, can you please put a hedge around my children? Can you please put a hedge around my children? Look now, now. God has given the devil access to the one thing that we see Job praying over. Can I ask you a question this evening? What, what will you do if God gave the devil access to the one thing that you may have said in your mind and in your heart was off limits? Say, God, you can, you can take my job, but God, don't touch this. You can have this, but God, don't touch this. You can have this, but not my children, not my spouse, not this, not this. What if God gave the devil access to the one thing you said, God, if you do this, I'm done. 
Every day, Joe's been praying for his family. And now God has lifted the hedge and given him access. You know one thing that I found is absolutely amazing? When you're going through something that is hurting you immensely, you will hear the voice of God in that very same thing like you've never heard it before if you stay close enough to it. Go over to Job chapter 38, and we're going to jump around just a little bit. Unless y'all want to stay all night and me preach the whole book. I thought so. Some of y'all are like, that's not even funny because I'm still hungry. <laughs> Job chapter 38. Now, while you're turning there, keep in mind, how did Job's children die? A great wind came, knocked the house down. Now all of his children have died. Up until Job 38, Job has been trying to get an answer from God and God has been silent. This is the part where God breaks the silence. And watch how he breaks the silence in Job 38, verse number one. Then the Lord answered Job out of the what? The whirlwind. Wait a minute. How did his children die? A great wind came, knocked the house down. Now all his children are gone. Now, how does God speak to him for the first time? Through the same wind that hurt him the most. This is what I'm trying to tell you. When you are going through a trial in your life, when you're going through something where you're trying to ask God why, don't run from God. Run to him. Because when you run to him and you continue to look to him through your trial, you will then hear the voice of God in the same thing that hurt you the most. Job, he was a man that had some character. Job was a man that had some some chaos. But then we're going to see Job had some clarity. He had some clarity. I'm sure if I were to ask some of you what some of your favorite verses in the book of Job, some of you could probably spit them out quickly. Some of you may even have a favorite verse that you don't even know came from the book of Job. Job made some very profound statements. As I mentioned in chapter one, he said, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job said, till I die, I will not remove mine integrity. Job said, shall we expect good at the hand of the Lord and not evil? Job is the one that said, I know my redeemer lives. Job, Job made some very profound statements. Job was able to maintain some spiritual clarity even throughout his trial. I want you to listen to me very closely. And look now, this sermon right now, it may not be for today, but keep the notes. So it's not for me. I'm not going through anything. Hold on. Because it's coming to all of us at some point. The goal when you are going through a trial is to have the same clarity of God that you had before the trial. And if you can do that, you'll see God like you've never seen him before after. I'm going to say it again. If you can maintain the same clarity of God that you had before the trial, while you were while you are in the trial, you will see God in a way like you've never seen him before. All throughout the book of Job, even though he's going through some down times, he's still maintaining his clarity. He still has some sight and some vision of God. Now, look over in Job. You're in, are you still in 38? Go over a couple of chapters to 42. I'm asking you if you're still there and I ain't there no more. Job chapter 42. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, Job is speaking now. He's, he's towards the end now, on the other side. He said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. He says, but now mine eye seeth thee. Look, look now, maintain the same clarity that you had before. If you can do that in the trial, you will see God in a way like you've never seen him after. 
Job, when he gets to the end of the trial, he says, God, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. This is what he says. But now that I'm through this trial, now mine eye hear, now, now mine eye seeth thee. Look, you, some of you right now, you're young adults, and you've been hearing some things about God. But there's going to come a day where you're going to experience it for yourself. So you're not just going off of what your mom said. You're not just going off of what dad said. You're not just going off of what the preacher said or what the pastor said. It's not just what your ear heard. Now it's what your eye saw. He says, God, I've heard that you were a good God, but now mine eye have seen it. He said, I, I heard that on my, on my darkest day you would be there with me, but now mine eye have seen it. God, I heard that you would show up, that you would never leave nor forsake, but now mine eye has seen it. Job said, God, I'm seeing you like a way I've never seen you before. When you get through that, you'll get to the point where you start thanking God for trial. Because God is using those trials to develop you into the person that he wants you to be. Job, he was a man that had some character. Job was a man that had some chaos. Job was a man that had some clarity. Job was a man that had some companions. He had some companions. Now, Job, he had four friends, all right? If that's what you want to call them. The moment they opened their mouth, they inserted their foot. And let me just take another commercial break right here one more time and speak to all the counselors in the room. If you don't know what to say when somebody is going through a trial, don't say nothing at all. It is okay to remain quiet. Don't feel like you got to say something. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, heard you had a bad day. <laughs> it's not helping. It's not helping. Look, Joe's friends, they're trying to come up with something to say. They're like they're, they're doing what a lot of believers do. They're trying to rationalize why a good person is having a bad day. They're trying to rationalize why is a good person having such a bad day. Look, let me give you some of the assessments that they came up with. They told they told Job he was suffering due to his sin. Keep in mind, the Bible said he was a perfect man. God himself said that he was a perfect man and a just man. They said, no, you in this position because you sin it. They said, Job, you're in this position because you cheated the poor. Said, look at you with all that money. You ain't helped nobody. Talking about you're the greatest man in all the East and all these poor people. You ain't even buy no turkeys for Thanksgiving. They said, Job, you mistreated the widows and the orphans. They done jumped all the way to the New Testament and said, you ain't a good deacon. <laughs> they, they said, Job, you are guilty of foolish speaking. They said, Job, you're guilty of false righteousness. Look, you've been walking around here like you better than everybody else. Look at you now, Job. Look, they came to the same conclusion. All of them did. Job, if you want this to stop, just repent. Just repent, Job. Turn back to God and then he'll release this captivity from you. But here's the problem. God said he was a perfect man. <laughs> Look, every bad thing that comes into a person's life is not connected to a bad thing that person did. Sometimes godly people have problems. Job's friends, they're trying to rationalize. Why is this happening? And then we can't leave out his wife. Right. Mrs. Joe. <laughs> she looked, she looked at her husband and said, curse God and die. <laughs> Whoo. That's a, that's a heavy one, isn't it? Look now on, on now. Hold on. Let's time another time out now. Cause sometimes we get hard on Miss Job now, but she's having a day too, isn't she? She's lost everything too, didn't she? She lost her. She's buried some children too, hadn't she? She's having a hard day, but look now, she's not responding the right way. See, when her day came, she was more like the devil than she was like God. 
Now, I know that's a hard statement, but keep in mind, what did the devil say Job would do? If God touched this stuff, the devil said, touch what he has and he will do what he will curse you to your face. Now, the devil has touched it. And his wife looks at him and says, curse God and die. She told her husband to do what the devil said he would do. I imagine that she is shouting in her husband's face what the devil is whispering in his ear. I'm going to say it again. She's shouting in her devil's in, in her husband's face what the devil is whispering in his ear. Curse God and die. Now, look, I'm going to be a little transparent with you right now. right? I don't care how spiritual you are. When you go through a trial, you're going to get some whispers. Can I be real with you? You go. I don't. You say, "Well, I preached last week." You still gonna get some whispers. So when I was on Sunday morning, Sunday, you gonna get some whispers. I'm, I'm sitting in that hospital room, holding my son. Here comes the whispers. Look at you, traveling all over the country preaching. See how God rewards you. Look at you. All, all your all your other siblings. They had children. They did it outside of marriage. You tried to do it the right way. Look how God would. Oh, they kids healthy. God didn't do that today. Hmm? Can I be honest with you? So, hey, you should see if you would have just said this to the doctor, they would have did this and they could have saved. Whispers, whispers, whispers. You know, one thing that helped me on that day, and it was a hard day now. You know, one thing that helped me, my wife looked at me and she said, God knew. She said, God knows. That's what she said. She said, I heard you. I know you did everything that you could. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is why it's so important, not even just as young adults, but as believers, to surround yourself with like-minded people. Because when your day comes, you need somebody in your life that will validate what you knew was true about God before your day ever came. You need somebody that's not going to validate your doubts, but they're going to validate your faith. They're not going to, they're not going to validate what the devil is whispering to you. They're not going to validate what your flesh is whispering to you. They're going to validate what you knew was true about God before the bad day ever came. The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Surround yourself with godly people. So when your day comes, you can have somebody walking with you through your day that will encourage you and help you get through the dark and difficult times. Job, he had some companions. Job, he looked at his companions. He said, miserable comforters are you all. <laughs> he said, this is what he said. He said, you are as physicians with no value. <laughs> He says, you're not doing anything to help me. Surround yourself with people that can help you and carry that burden, that load with you. All right, landing gears down. All right. Y'all almost saw me start crying like a baby, but I, I grabbed it quick, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Job, he had some character. Job, he had some chaos. Job, he had some clarity. He had some companions. Now, let me give you one that we don't talk about a lot. Job had some complaints. Ooh, he had some complaints. Now, look, you just think about it in your own mind. The majority of the sermons that you hear from the book of Job come from Job chapter one and Job chapter 42. You know why? Because we don't understand the stuff in the middle. 
Look now, look now. The, the same God that says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Two chapters later, he says, cursed is the day that I was born. It's the same God. <laughs> now, look, if you've ever had a trial come into your life, you know it's a roller coaster ride. Up one day, down the next. You're good one day, not so good the next. You have faith one day, don't have faith the next. Job, he had some very serious complaints. Job said, I, I wish the man, I wish the man that congratulated my mother when I was in the womb, I wish he would die. Job said, I wish I died when I was in the womb. Job, he starts making all these complaints. Job, Job, uh, let me let me give you some of the things that Job said. He told God in his argument, he says, God, I didn't deserve this. Job says, God, if you were to take all the good that I've done and put on a scale with all the wrong that I've done, Job said the good would outweigh the bad. Job said, God, the thing that I've greatly feared has come upon me. He says, God, you have afflicted me in a way that no man can hinder. He says, you've afflicted me so much that I can't sleep at night. You ever been there? Job, Job said, Job said, God, I'm a righteous man. And he says, the wicked man travaileth in trouble. This is what he's saying. God, you're treating me like I'm wicked. So here's the thing. This Look, it gets so bad with Job that Job says, God, I got to talk to you. He says, God, I need an answer from you. He says, God, I need to know why is this happening to me? Go to Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. Job, Job is trying to trying to get an answer. He's struggling. He, he's on this roller coaster ride. He's going up and down, up and down, up and down. He has some complaints and he wants to take his complaints to God. But Job runs into a problem in Job chapter nine. Look at verse 32. And it's a big problem, too. Job saying, God, I want to question you. Here's the problem. For he is not a man as I am. That I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. He says, God, he says, God, I want to question you and ask you, why is this happening to me? Think about how he's feeling now. He says, God, if a man would have done this to me, me and that man would have had some problems. He says, God, I got to talk to you. Why is this happening to me? Here's a problem that I have. You're such a big God. And I'm such a small man. He says, God, I want to ask you why. But God, you're such a big God. You, I don't have a way to get to you. He says, look what he says in the next verse. He says, neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Oh, I love this. That word daysman is not a common word that we use today, but it comes from the same word as referee or umpire. Someone that is between two opposing sides. The New Testament word for this would be mediator. Amen. You know, you know, the New Testament says, according to this, the Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man, that's the man Christ Jesus. Look now, going back to our first session, you know what they, you know what Job is saying? Job is saying, God, I want to question you. I want to ask you, why is this happening to me? This is what he's saying. I need a high priest. He said, he's saying, I need somebody that is between me and God to represent me in this debate and in this argument. I need somebody that can, look now, here's the thing. I need somebody that's 100% God, but also need somebody that's 100% man. Look, look, Jesus, he's 100% God. That qualifies him to grab a hold of God's hand. He's 100% man. He's still qualified to grab man. But we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He can grab a hold of your hand and grab a hold of God's hand and reason between the two. 
Listen to me very closely. If you are sitting here this evening and you are not a child of God, you have no rights to go to God and ask him why. That's like stepping into a courtroom with no legal representation. You have no access to him. You don't have a high priest. Job said, God, I need a daysman, someone that can reason. I'm glad to tell you that if you're saved this evening, you have that daysman. And when you get to your lowest point, your lowest moment, your high priest will come alongside of you. And look, you know, one of my favorite verses in Romans chapter number eight. You know, the Bible says, have have you ever been in, in a position where you are hurting so much and you were trying to pray, but the words wouldn't come out? You're weeping so much. You're you're trying to pray, but you can't even formulate the words. You know what the Bible says the Holy Spirit does in that moment? The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes and takes the prayers that your mouth cannot utter, and it takes it to the throne of God for you. Look, I'm thankful this evening that I have a daysman. And on my lowest moment and in my darkest moment, God will come down and he'll meet me. And words that I can't even get out and pray, he'll take them up there for me. He know, look, he knows the heart. man looks on the outward appearance, but God, he's looking on the heart. He knows what I'm trying to pray before it ever comes out of my mouth. And he takes it up there. I'm about to preach. I'm about to go back to the Hebrews and preach again. We got a great high priest. That's what he's doing for us. So Job is trying to get an answer this entire time. Now go to Job 38. Job 38 landing gear down. All right. Fasten your seatbelts. Put up all your tray tables. <laughs> Job is trying to get an answer. Now, when we get to Job chapter 38, God is going to start speaking out of the whirlwind. Verse, let's just read verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkened the counsel by words without knowledge? He says, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. This is absolutely amazing. Look, 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 if you just scan the chapter of Job chapter 38, the majority of the verses end with a question mark. Now, who is speaking the entire chapter? God is speaking. Look, Job says, God, I got a question for you. And God says, no, boy, I got a question for you. <laughs> the whole chapter, God starts asking some questions. Let's just read some of the things he's saying. Who is this that darkened the counsel by words without knowledge? Look, you know what he's saying? Then? He said, who is this doing all this talking and they don't know what they're talking about? Aren't you glad I ain't right about them? <laughs> verse number three. He says, gird up now my loins like a man. He says, boy, pull your pants up. He says, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Look, look now, here's the difference between man and God. We can all question God, but no one can demand an answer. Jesus on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God didn't step down and say, son, you have become sin and I cannot look upon you. Quiet. But yet we get so angry with God when we're praying and not get an answer. When we have Bible references that show that Jesus prayed and God went silent. Father, thou be willing to remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Nothing. Okay, let me try it again. Father, thou be willing to remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Three times Jesus prayed the same prayer and was quiet. Look, look, we can all question God, but no one is big enough or bad enough to demand him to answer. God flips. He says, Job, I'm going to question you. And when I get done questioning you, I want an answer. Man, we could we could we could go through this. It's some it's some things that I think is funny in, in here. But look at verse number six. He says, "Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Oh, who laid the cornerstone thereof?" He said, "Joe, tell me what the world is hanging on, since you got all the answers all of a sudden." 
You got all these questions. You know everything. You know how I should do things. Tell me how I create the world since you know how I should do things. Yeah, Job was about as silent as you are, right? <laughs> he said, Mr. Ray, well, or who shut it, who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud, when I made the cloud the garment thereof and the thick darkness swallowing band for it and break it forth, uh, excuse me, and, and break up for it my decree, decree place and set bars and doors. Listen to verse 11 and said, hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. He's talking about the ocean now. <laughs> this is what he said. Job, who told the ocean to stop right there? <laughs> I'm telling you, you ought to read some of these questions. Look, one of my favorite ones is verse number 35. He says, canst thou send lightning that they may go and say unto thee, here we are. <laughs> He said, this is what he said. He says, Job, I'm such a powerful God that I say, I say, lightning come here. Lightning comes to me. It stops when it gets to me and says, here we are. He says, Job, did you speak lightning? <laughs> look, you know, you know, all throughout these next two chapters, chapter 38 and 39, this is what God is doing. God is wowing Job with God. I'm going to say it again. God is wowing Job with God. Now we get to chapter number 40, verse 1. It says, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contended with the Almighty instruct him? If anybody got kids, they know what that means. So now you're going to tell me what to do. <laughs> I got a three-year-old at home right now. She's going to tell me what to do. Daddy, we don't do that. We don't do that. You go, girl, go somewhere and sit down. All right. <laughs> Shall he that contended with the Almighty instruct him? Look, he's, look what he says. He that reproveth God. Here it is now. Let him answer it. Remember what he said in chapter 38? He says, Job, I'm going to question you. But when I get done, I want an answer. We've gone two chapters of God questioning Job. Now, Job, it's time to answer. Look what Job said. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? says, I will lay my hand upon my mouth. That's exactly what he said. You you see what Job said? Look now, after Job got wild with God, God said, Job, give me an answer. Job stands before God. This is all he can do. That's all he can do. God, what do you want me to say? I don't speak lightning? Job, Job said, this is the only thing I can do. The only thing I can do is lay my hand upon my mouth. Now, look, I want to tell you. Challenging times are going to come. Trouble is going to come. Heartbreak is going to come. Heartache is going to come. Some of you may be sitting here right now and the Holy Spirit has already brought to your mind something very difficult that you went through. Some of you may be going through something right now. Nothing wrong with asking God why. Nothing wrong with trying to get an answer. But listen to me very closely. At some point in time, in the middle of your trial, you're going to have to do this. At some point in time, you're going to have to lay your hand. You're going to have to get, look now, you're going to have to get so impressed by God that you stop questioning. And you just trust that a God this great, he knows what he's doing. Job said, God, this is all I'm going to do. I'm just going to lay my hand on my mouth. Job, if you read through the story, he really never got an answer. 
Look, God, God, did, God didn't say, well, you know, me and the devil we, uh, was going to have a conversation about this. And then, you know, God said, look, Job, I'm going to I'm going to write a whole book about you. And 2000 plus years later, people are going to read about it on a Friday night in Clarksville, Tennessee. Right? He didn't give them the whole layout. No. As one man said, when you cannot trace his hand, trust his heart. Just know that he's a good God. He's a great God. And he's not doing anything with the intent to harm or hurt you. Job, he gets to the other end of this trial. When you read the, the end of chapter 42, if you compare chapter 42 to chapter one, you'll see that Job, he ended up with twice as much as he had in chapter one. <laughs> twice as much sheep, twice as much oxen compared to numbers from chapter one to 42. He, he got what I call double for his trouble. <laughs> God gave him double for his trouble. Look, I truly believe that God has a plan and a purpose for every trial that a believer goes through. But on a sad note, we often don't go through it like God intends for us to go through it. So we miss what God was trying to give us. There's something on the other side, but very rarely do we get to the other side like God intended for us to get. I remember after we lost our son, Jaden, my wife and I, we began to pray that God would give us children that we could raise. And not soon after, um, we found out that my wife was expecting and we began to pray for a name. And, uh, you know, I had this weird thing. I don't know if it's going to last or not, but I had this weird thing where I want the boys to have my wife's initials. Right. And I want the girls to have my initials. Y'all did that, too. Yeah. Ah, nice. I thought it was original. man. <laughs> <laughs> you should have told me that after, sir. No, I'm just kidding. But I wanted the boys to have my wife's initials and the girls to have my initials. So my name is Ed and my daughter's name is Eliana and Alyssa uh, with an E. Um, so I was coming back from preaching somewhere and I text my wife. I said, I want to name her Eliana. And I got on the plane when I got home. She, we were just laying there. She's like, oh, yeah, what does Eliana mean? I'm like, I don't know. I just like it. <laughs> and um, of course, I did what we all do when we don't know the answer. What Billy did for the Bible question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. So it just slipped out, <laughs> slipped out. <laughs> but I Googled it. <laughs> I Googled it. So I go on Google and I said, I type in, what does Eliana mean? And it popped up. My God has answered. My God has answered. I'm telling you, God saw us through that trial. Am I telling you it was easy? No. I'm telling you it was a light thing. No. But I am telling you, God saw us through the trial. I truly believe that God has something on the side of every trial that every believer goes through. But we have to go through it like God intends for us to go through. So the practical things, again, when you're going through a trial, remind yourself that your day cannot come unless God allows it. If God allows it, that means you can handle it. And if God is walking with you on your day, I assure you, you'll be just fine.